This episode contains sensitive subject matter or content that may be considered graphic and upsetting to certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, honey? I'm Sada Simone. For years, I was looking for a spiritual sanctuary, but never felt like I fit into the wellness space. I was so turned off by the idea that I had to fit into what spirituality should look like or should sound like, I carved out a niche of my own. By embracing my spiritual sassy nature, I became an embodied permission slip to allow others to do the same. Spiritually sass is owning where you fall on the many spectrums of life, living in the complex gray areas between normal and nonconformist. Whether you identify as plain vanilla or sparkly rainbow gelato, my community welcomes and celebrates you in all your delicious potential. This podcast is for people longing for an avant-garde awakening. On the Spiritually Sassy Show, we're going to explore and celebrate what it means to show up in your full power, feeling fabulous, looking fabulous, and making a fabulous impact together. One guest at a time, we're revolutionizing and redefining what it means to be spiritual in today's modern world. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. As I graduate myself, the health coaching certification has been a huge ally for me to be where I'm at today. Are you curious to learn more or thinking of kicking off a new chapter in your career? Head over to the show notes and click the link to get a delicious, massive discount of $2,000 off of your tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off if you use a payment plan. And my love, don't forget, you have to use my name as a referral to get this epic discount. And just in case you forgot, my name is Sa De Simone. Hello, 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 gorgeous community. Today's episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show is with my dear friend, Shaman Durek. Shaman Durek is a sixth generation shaman author of the bestseller, Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself, and Light Up the World. Shaman Durek is a visionary for the now age. His focus is on the evolution of humanity and simplifying our lives through common sense. He is redefining what, it, what wellness means by putting the power back in the hands of the people so that they may live consciously, authentically, and in alignment. Through his powerful ancient teachings, he, he helps dismystify spirituality, making it attainable and understandable for the mainstream audience. Durek's teachings have impacted thousands of people from diverse public figures like Nina Dobrev, Gwyneth Paltrow, and tech giants like Dave Asprey of Bulletproof. He has a reoccurring role on the nationwide CBS television show, The Doctors, where he aids guests in overcoming challenges that are impacting the connection between their emotional, physical well-being. Shaman Dirk has been profiled in People magazine. His work has been recognized globally by major mainstream publications like Elle, Mary Claire, Los Angeles Times, The New York Times, You Magazine, The Times, and featured on Netflix's nearly released show, Bling Empire. Durek's online shaman school and wildly popular healing temple and ancient wisdom today are instrumental in helping people tap into their personal power and unblocking negative patterns that prevent them from reaching optimal human performance. Oh my fucking goodness. Jesus Christ, all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, Dakazakinis and all the Dharma protectors, all the angelic beings of every one of the 10 directions. Yo, are you ready for a new episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show? With the icon, the legendary, my dear friend, Shaman Durek. Welcome to the show, honey. I love you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Fuck yes. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm like, when I come with you, I feel like going crazy. I don't know. I feel like I'm, you know, when people feel like they get, like there are people like, oh my God, you know, I'm crazy. Like when they, before they get locked up, because that's how crazy they are, because they do like crazy stuff in the, in the, in the world. I feel like that guy, like mm -hmm. wanting to beat the pavement and scream and yell and be that crazy guy because that's how I feel when I'm with you. I'm just lit. 
Mm-hmm. Liberated, right? We 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 create the the causes for each other for the pre-existing conditions to be free inside of our hearts. Like I love that you bring that to me, and I bring that for you, and we bring this together for all of our community. And thank you for being a trailblazer of what it means to be spiritually sassy, bitch. You've been an OG spiritually sassy bitch, honey. So thank God for you. <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. You know, I, I always say, if 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 you know, we are the cur- God. We are the curveball that God has thrown at life, right? Mm. Because you know, things cannot stay the same. So God's like, uh, no, I didn't create this to look like this. So let me throw in another curveball and um and basically mm-hmm. shake it up to wake it up. Literally, you know, I always say the greatest interrupters right, are the greatest change makers and edge makers of our time. And that's what we are. We're, we're, we are the interrupters. We're not here to people please. We're here to people push. And, you know, people are going to get comfortable mm. with us. And that means that's good because that means they're going through mm. healing and transformation. I, I want people to shake. I want people to get crazy and upset mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I can't stand that guy, you know, because it, the more they do that, the more they're purging out all that poison, getting back to what's real. And that's love. That's liberation. That's freedom. That's sensual, mm. sexual mm. freedom. That's 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 expression. Mm. That's that's create that's limitless creativity. That is the ability to see profound mm. elevations of what is possible for humanity, and to be able to see the city of light, and then begin orchestrating that light by writing code into life. And that's what I, I that's that's what it's about for me. Holy fucking shit! Well, thank God for that beautiful affirmative prayer, that invocation of what's possible for all of us. Thank you for laying that foundation, honey. First question for you, who are you right now? Right now, I feel like I'm juggling many roles right now. One part of me is, you know, juggling the royal family, being being that person, following the, the protocols, making sure I'm doing the things that I need to do to appear mm-hmm. my role as mm-hmm. the person who's in that family. Then there's my public mm-hmm. life, dealing with my public life, the media, television, this thing, you know, all of that. And then there's my private life where it's just me with my VR, playing basketball with my friends, you know, hanging out hiking every day, you know, doing things that keep me lit and keep me like fully fulfilled and nurtured and present and aware. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and also being able to take that time for myself as a shaman to even practice more um, implementations of the knowledge that I have from my family's ancestry and bring that more into the forefront of myself. Like, where am I in my life Mm -hmm. not showing up authentically? Where am I in my life not showing up fully present with the things that I could mm-hmm. show up with? What am I denying? What am I not looking mm-hmm. at? What is my shadow trying to tell me that I don't want to hear? And really coming mm-hmm. into that beautiful space from a place of love, not from a place of agitation or frustration or annoyance, but balancing all those three levels. And like, how do I how do I handle being in the public when I'm getting like this morning, I got like a hundred messages. I just did a TV show in Scandinavia with my girlfriend, Princess Marta, and it became the number one show in Scandinavia. And it's all mm-hmm. about our life in, you know, her life, it's called Marta. And but it's my life because I'm in it as well. And our life as this couple in the royal family and what we do with the horses and how we mm-hmm. horseback ride and, you know, all this kind of stuff and how we are with the kids and how we were dealing with all the different situations. And so everyone has been blowing up my phone, being like, oh, my God, like, I love you. But then you like you deal with that. But at the same time, you know, they don't really know you. They Mm -hmm. only know what they see on TV, what they Mm -hmm. see. And so I'm dealing with that, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of really keeping that place of truth with myself. So when you ask that question, who am I right now? I would Mm -hmm. say right now. I am. I'm going through a metamorphosis right now. Mm. Thank you so much for this impeccably delivered, so profoundly articulate answer. (sighs) Breath of fresh air. Thank God for you. So how the fuck did you become so wise? I mean, I know the answer because, you know, we're friends in real life. But I feel like a lot of people may look to you and be like, is that possible for me to do? Could I ever glimpse at that kind of fire, that kind of wisdom, that kind of presence? You have the kind of presence 
that is liberatory for people in the room. You have the kind of presence that that literally, you know, is able to recalibrate the psychological temperature of every room by doing nothing, by just being shaman direct, by just in, in your beingness. And then when you start speaking, then, honey, oh my goodness, then it just takes on a whole nother stage. <laughs> so so uh, how 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 have you how have you gotten to be so wise? How have you glimpsed that such a, a piercing of the veil of the human condition to to tickle with and flirt with the human potential in such a way that's profoundly embodied. When you speak, we know this motherfucker is speaking the truth. And we know truth in our body, right? So what led you to this point? Oftentimes this question for people is like, oh, I've had this moment of a rock bottom or I went through addiction or I went through this or that happened. Da, da, da. Uh, well, is there a specific point that sort of is a turning point that you just embodied this, this vessel of, of div- divine wisdom? So, you know, I would say, you know, when I was a kid, I was mm. always dealing with spirits, being visited by spirits and also with the shamanism in my family and then the religion in my family. I felt mm. like there was a contradiction and also a hypocrisy because mm. on one side, my dad's like, OK, well, we have to walk away from the shamanism, but I'm going to we're going to talk about religion. However, still still making sure I can't spend a night at friends' houses checking my pockets to make sure no one's putting any kind of spells on me, you know, making sure he writes his name in all my clothes so that no one can take any items of me and use it for magic. So he was always like making sure the magic wasn't wow. found on our family. So it was like, okay, are you Christian or are you still in the roots of our family? And then, so that was watching mm. the hypocrisy of people. I thought was very interesting. It was like people saying you can't do certain things, but then they would go and do it. And then I started noticing as a kid because everyone thought I was autistic because I didn't speak. And I, and I had a speech impediment problem. I couldn't pronounce words and I didn't know how to get the words out of my mouth. So I just stayed silent for a long period of time. And they put me through all these, these hospitals and all these different things to find out why I, what mm. was wrong with me. And they basically just said that I was autistic and I got sent to this special school where you have to learn like hook on phonics and all these different programs that you have to learn. And it wasn't that I would consider mm. myself autistic Perhaps, I mean, in, from their perspective of what they trained, look, made me do all these blotter tests and do all these different things to see like what was really going on with me. But what I would find was mm-hmm. that I was highly sensitive. I was a highly sensitive being and I could see the truth of beha- people's behaviors be- beyond the lie that they were actually projecting into the world. So it was almost like I mm-hmm. watched people walking around projecting themselves into the world as one way but then living their lives completely different in another way. And I think it was because I saw the hypocrisy in my own family at a very young age and I knew what it was, I started seeing it in life very quickly. So I think it was junior high, I was getting bullied a lot in school, made fun of because uh, I wasn't as macho as the macho men were in school. And also I was geeky, I was nerdy. I listened to music that they thought I shouldn't listen to because of the color of my skin. Um, and I did weird things to my clothes. Like I would cut my clothes up and spray paint it and, you know, write words on my shoes over and over again, you know, and people thought that was weird at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I started noticing that no one would spend time with me. I wasn't invited to the birthday parties. Uh, I wasn't involved. I wasn't included. And I realized the reason why I wasn't included which hurt at Mm, first. mm. And I remember I would go home crying, saying that no one likes me, no one wants to be around me, everyone's beating, picking on me. I mean, I would go to the school bus and people would throw an apple at me before I would even get on the bus. You know, it was like always getting beaten up after school by these like mean kids. And then I realized that the reason why they were doing this to me was because I was a threat to them because of they were insecure with who they were because they were Mm -hmm. also living Mm -hmm. hypocrisy in themselves. They were not living Mm -hmm. their truth. And because I chose Mm -hmm. to live my truth so freely and so openly, because I chose to wear pink pants and spray paint them and write all kinds of cool poems on one leg and, you know, and showing Mm -hmm. up in this way, it made them so uncomfortable because I was so comfortable And so I said to myself, Mm. I'm going to start just being me and be comfortable and not and and tell it like I see it and not sugarcoat it, not, you know, try to wrap it up in a box and a ribbon. Like when a friend would give me a birthday gift, for instance, most of my friends would get birthday gifts from people and they're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whereas with me, if I didn't need it, I'd be like, you know what? I really appreciate you taking the time to get this for me, but I'm going to give this back to you because this is not something I need. 
And I know that if I keep it, it's probably going to go in the garage in the, you know, re-gift box. And I don't think you want your gift in the re-gift box. And people would get upset and they'd get angry with me mm-hmm. being like, what? Mm-hmm. You're refusing my gift? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm refusing your gift because it's not going to be utilized properly. So, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you where, the, where it will go and you're getting mad because I'm being honest with you. So then I started realizing, Saw, mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. world is a fucking lie that everyone mm. are fucking liars and they mm-hmm. lie to get love and to be liked. And that the, the mm-hmm. true essence is humbleness and humility can never be achieved if one is continuing to be afraid of being honest and truthful to what they're perceiving. So the aspect of the lie comes because they're not willing to be honorable to themselves and who they are. And when I saw that, I said, I'm going to be a person who tells it like it is. I'm going to tell people exactly what I think. Mm. If I have sex with someone and I like it, I'm going to be like, you know what? The sex was really not that great. You weren't present. You weren't in your spirit. Your heart wasn't there. I didn't feel you at all. All I Mm. felt was like you just feeding off of my energy. And people are like, oh, my God, you're so harsh. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm being honest with you. And you don't know how to handle honesty. And that's okay. And when I make a mistake, Mm. I'm so quick to tell someone I fucked up. I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I didn't do this thing right. Mm -hmm. Because why? Because when you're willing to be honest, you're also willing to be humble. You're able to be um, have Mm -hmm. humility to the point of acknowledging Mm -hmm. when you fuck up, when you do something wrong. And you and I have had that exchange. You know, I'm not going to sit here and put on this kind of like, oh, I'm Shaman Durek and I, you know, don't make mistakes and I'm this perfect person. That's such bullshit. I make mistakes left time, left, right and center. But the key of it is, is, is it a mistake or is it an opportunity for me to refine myself, to be more loving, to be more kind, to be more generous? And so instead of looking at life through mistakes, I started seeing refinement as a key element to how I would live my life and constantly realizing that. It's not all going to be freaking roses and cupcakes. There's going to be some uncomfortable things. And I'm going to use those uncomfortable things as opportunities to be grateful for. So when people write in their grateful journal, I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for the air and I'm grateful for the whatever. I don't care what it is they're grateful for. I'm grateful for my alcoholism. I'm grateful mm. for when I did crystal meth. I'm grateful mm. for a time that I had, uh, you know, uh, intense sex with like three guys in the back of a bar. Mm. I'm grateful for You know, Mm -hmm. this uh, bringing two girls and, you know, having a dysfunctional relationship because I let one girl start dating another girl in my relationship. So I'm dating my girlfriend and she wants to bring another girl in and it went bad. I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. my jealousy. I'm grateful for my anger. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful when I was a skater, how I used to punch holes in walls. And I just kept being real Mm -hmm. about it. And the more I got real about it, all this wisdom, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. all this knowledge started coming Mm -hmm. to me. It was like, it was almost like the spirits like, because you were willing to be in that space of truth for the fact that you've come here just to take on these frequencies and lift them into a vibration of love and awareness now we're going to give you the wisdom behind every single thing that had to happen to you and why Mm. and that's how i gained all this ability to have knowledge and wisdom Mm. on top of course Mm. my shamanic training helped me to be able to organize it in a way that actually makes sense to the human development to human ecology to understanding um, how people operate within their their neural sense and how they operate in their emotional mm-hmm. intelligence and how they facilitate community mm-hmm. and how they facilitate tribe, how they how they access the collective mm-hmm. versus the individual. But the knowledge itself came from embracing the ugly. Mm. Wow, honey. If you only knew the full body juice that I'm getting, like, thank God you're addressing this, you know? It's like that, the, the, when I speak about the miracle mindset and, and screaming yes to life. And at the baseline of what that is, it's just saying yes to all of it, you know, because all mm-hmm. the difficulty, all the trauma, all the pain is not happening to us. It's happening for us. That perspective change opens us up to see every trauma, every pain, every difficulty as a blessing in drag, period. And that wisdom, that ability to milk the blessings out of every single challenge, that is the work of a spiritually sassy warrior. That is somebody who's, to use your language, who's on the lit train, right? That's what you'd say. Yeah. Like, I mean, literally, like, I remember shame and guilt was like one of the things that I thought was really funny for, for me to transform. 
I remember I would also feel guilty all the time for stuff. And then I started asking myself, what is guilt? And then I started realizing guilt is me self-flagellating myself and punishing myself for that which I really wanted to do. And so mm. why am I going to live in shame? Shame belongs to those mm. who cannot face the truth. Guilt belongs to mm. those who cannot say the truth. Why am I going to make myself miserable? Because everyone else chooses miserable to live a hypocrisy life and live in lies versus just simply say it happened. Yes, it sucked it, or it didn't suck. But, you know, I'm not going to let this be the thing that actually takes me down. Every single situation that happens to me in my life is literally me being able to take a frequency on earth, an energy on earth that someone has not been able to fully transmutate or to alchemize. And I always see humanity as that we are all alchemizers. We're all here to be alchemists. Mm. And we're all here to take energies and bring them into the alchemical form and transform them back into love, into the space where it is not operating in aggression. It's not operating in attack. It's operating in harmony and balance. And to mm. me, that is the key for enlightenment for me. Enlightenment mm -hmm. is the key of, can I alchemize all these dense frequencies with non-judgment, no mm -hmm. attachment mm -hmm. and full appreciation and acceptance of them and bring mm -hmm. them to a higher place where I'm able to dance and be free and live with the space of knowing that it's not about mm -hmm. duality. It's about me being in the state of bliss. And that's, that's how I look mm -hmm. at it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And let's, let's talk about a topic because, you know, some people would say the family dynamics that you've had and then this, this, uh, this, you know, uh, trauma at such a young age and the kinds of things that you happen that have happened in your life that you've endured that built you to be such an iconic person. People would say, oh, some people are innately evil. These are toxic family members. What do you have to say about people, about toxic people or, or genuinely evil people? What's the, how do you, how do you break that down? So I don't look at it as a person being evil. I look at it as a person being distorted through, um, because they have been given the wrong information. And so you come to a planet that doesn't really embrace you in the ceremonial embrace of the time of coming here and acknowledge the wisdom that you have as a child because you were just in the spirit world. You come to a planet where you know, people are operating in the space of if you don't do what I want you to do or because I'm your authority figure and you don't follow these rules or fit in this box, you can't be loved, you can't be acknowledged. And I always say the greatest achievement of any human being is to, that human beings thrive for throughout life is to, to see their own existence. And so everything that you see that is in the world is about people finding their own existence. And acknowledging that existence. And usually people will acknowledge their existence through the, uh, through the accolades or through the attention of other people. They'll acknowledge their existence by people giving them hearts and likes on their Instagram. They'll acknowledge their existence mm -hmm. by people rewarding them, by giving them gifts and showing up for them. But the key element is even in that codependent space of seeking existence through other people, we still are not able to see our existence. We can only see it when eyes are upon us. But is there a place where we can acknowledge our existence without eyes upon us. And I think that when someone is, mm. when people say evil or whatever, I think one, they're putting them in a dual duality because I'm an mm. eternal being. So if I go to any planet and let's say I go to a planet and I play this, what people call evil, I'm playing it for the energy frequency to be uplifted and changed and, and alchemized. I'm playing a role. Everything is playing a role. If you're going to sit there and call me evil, then call everything else evil because you, every human being knows on the planet that we are just as responsible for how we treat Gaia. We could say Gaia's evil then, because if a person killing another person is considered evil, is it evil when Gaia takes a tsunami and wipes out a whole village? Is she evil too? Or is that just nature? So at, at what point... Do we draw, do we, do we say, okay, well, this is evil, but this isn't evil. This is evil, but this isn't evil. Or is it just mm. energy playing itself out on the grand stage of life, what I call the Greek theater, and each person mm. is playing a role according to being able to bring duality back into synergy. And so whatever role it may look like someone is playing, 
It's actually helping you as an individual be able to move through different frequencies of discord and trauma and hurt and sadness and pain and loss to be able to transmute those things and bring them into enlightenment from the perspective of love and awareness of all things existing, which most people don't see all things existing. They see only the thing that they feel can, is comfortable existing. And instead of them being able to go, oh, wait a second, it's kind of like, if that person, if we, if we judge that person for what they have done, mm-hmm. then we are basically stating that this judgment now becomes a, what we call an ingrained factor in humanity, that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then we actually hold that against ourselves as well. And so mm-hmm. instead of us transmuting all of it into mm-hmm. one form of energy, which is love, right? Mm-hmm. Compassion, mm-hmm. right? Which is the, I call it the deep awareness of compassion is the ability to uh, realize that if there's a rapist, a killer, or or whatever, you're able to love them unconditionally because you're not loving the the act that they did. You're loving the spirit that they are, mm. and so that to me is why I can sit down and spend time with with you know with gang members on Raras who've killed people, or you know uh, mob bosses in Kurdish and Kurdic uh, countries where I sit down with them and help them understand why they became the way they are. That's why I can integrate. I work every weekend. I work in um, in Snake River Prison, and I do. I do conversations with inmates on the phone and I have this program that I started there and I'm building this program out and I've been teaching inmates how to just start with meditation, just listening to their breath. And they've been doing that and it's been helping the prison so much. And then I distributed my books there and I started really getting involved with how people are seen in our world as criminals and and killers and rapists and what has caused them to go into that place. And what mm-hmm. I have found from these conversations, mm-hmm. I was talking to this one guy who's in there for life mm-hmm. um, because he killed two people, was that he felt in himself that no one ever loved him. And he mm-hmm. had voices in, of, in his mind that would tell him that he wasn't lovable and that this would actually make him feel better by, by, by protecting himself that he had to go and, and, and take this, you know, this life of these two people. And when I get deeper into it, I see the part of that little boy inside of him who felt like Mm -hmm. he came into a world where there was no one here to hold him, no one there Mm -hmm. to comfort him, no one there to tell him the Mm -hmm. truth of who he is. And so Mm -hmm. all the negativity built and started attracting more of these dense frequencies until it took over him, you know, and Mm -hmm. now that he's been meditating and so forth, he cries on the phone with me and tells me, I wish I could have made a different choice. He goes, and Derek, you know, he goes, "The, the hardest pain is not the pain of what being here in prison. It's the fact that you have brought my attention and awareness of, of the light, of consciousness, of these things mm. that you speak about. And that has become my greatest pain because now that is a effect. That is the thing that is, is making me look at the places where I have to come into love. And in that place of coming into that love, I'm going through a great deal of suffering mm. because I'm having to realize that I have to come into love for the part of myself that did those things. And I'm having the hardest time doing that with now this, with this knowledge. And mm. so to me, I look at, you know, rehabilitation and prisoners. I call them forgotten souls, people we just throw away out of society. We just don't care about anyone who's different and doesn't follow within the structure that the matrix created. We're just mm-hmm. like, oh, let's just get rid of them. And I'm, a, right. I'm an advocate for forgotten souls. I, I'm here mm-hmm. for forgotten souls. Because I, I believe very strong, you know, mm. I'm, that's why I'm here. And I'm here for anyone who has forgotten or has been pushed away, kicked out, slammed the door shut, thrown out of society, not seen, not heard, not present, and being like, no, we need to shine the light on all those who have been hidden in the cracks and crevices of human consciousness and bring them to the forefront of love. That's the mm. only way we're going to heal this planet. It's the only way. When people say to me, oh, a woman said to me, oh, I'm, I'm healed. My life is healed. I said, baby, you ain't healed until we're all healed. Okay? This is a collective thing, not an individual Say it loud for everybody in the bike, honey. Yeah, say it loud. Say that again, honey, because I can't. I honestly can't with that. I can't. I can't. This is so beautiful. You are in a really profound place right now. I can hear it in your voice. You know, so much as, like, you have the... Just the, t- the tone in your voice. I'm like, oh, honey. Can I just, <laughs> can I just lay you. here? Just like, oh, honey, yes. Okay, but lock it in, Sa. Lock it in. Lock it in. So 
from what you're saying is there's no such thing as evil. There's no such thing as toxic people, right? It's a distorted perception. It's a misguided view. Uh, we perpetuate the cycle of suffering when we internalize that someone's actions is who they are at the base of their being. An enlightened mind is seeing, uh, is being, is seeing a harmful action, not as, as, the, as, the, as the direct orientation of who someone is at the base of their being, right? So, That's correct. Wonderful. That's like, this is so important for people to know that when your mind is more liberated, when your heart is more open, you're going to be able to see something tragic happening, someone being dysfunctional and harmful and destructive. And in that same, same breath, you're going to be like, okay, I don't, I don't give my consent for more of this to happen. But in that same breath, I'm radically aware that this person has the same potential that I do to be an enlightened Buddha in this motherfucking lifetime. Period. That's right. That's what I true. That's, I call it, I call it true compassion. Mm, true compassion yeah and and the the sanskrit word for it's maha karuna we they would just call it great compassion so true compassion great compassion uh it's all within you know leading us up to that heightened state of awareness to the to the blessing awareness right where we can see we can really see the buddha nature that enlightened consciousness into everything and everyone yeah, and I think about it like this, uh, mm-hmm. you know how people walk around all the time, they're like, I don't resonate to this, and I don't resonate to that, and I don't resonate to that. And what I find very fascinating about that whole I don't resonate thing is that people don't realize that every time they say they don't resonate to something, mm-hmm. that's an opportunity for them to engage and lean in to what spirit is showing them. Because mm-hmm. you don't you don't find your your dharmic path, as, as, as Sahara likes to say, mm-hmm. right? And I'll just use the dharmic word. But basically, you don't find your true, I call it your love's journey through mm. um, everything happy and joyful. Like, that's not how I find my love's that's journey. Right. I find my love's journey nope. through that which is in despair, which is in pain, which is in suffering, which is in irritation to me. Whatever mm-hmm. irritates the shit out of me, pisses me off and makes me agitated. I know that's where my love needs to go regardless. Mm-hmm. And it's the understanding. Mm-hmm. And so when I, a friend of mine was like, one time she's like, oh, I just can't resonate to people, violent people. And I'm like, oh, well, that's obviously what you came here to do because that's why you're not resonating with it because it's showing you that you really mm-hmm. are resonating with it because you are paying attention to it. And therefore, when people say, I don't resonate with Shit. it, you can say that, but you're still paying attention to it. Boom! You are. Let's be real. Right. You've been looking, you've been watching, <laughs> you've been seeing, okay? You've been peekabooing around the corner. You know what you see. That's right. And you know what's there. Yeah. So stop acting like you're not resonating with it when you keep looking at it, boo. If you ain't resonating with it, you're it's out of mind. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even come in. It doesn't even be seen. You don't even see it in your peripheral. You're not seeing it in your prefrontal lobe. Like nothing, nothing happening. But when you are being, an energy is presenting itself to you, it's because spirit is asking, will you take the call to bring love, healing, compassion, understanding, generosity, kindness, and understanding to this situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That way, that is what I call a true light worker. Mm-hmm. To me, a light worker who said, I don't resonate, I don't resonate, I don't resonate. Well, how many times does spirit send you opportunities for you to follow, to follow a love's path, but you chose to deny it because you think a love's path is being blissful. Bliss is achieved in the act of service. Not in the act of sitting back and being holier than thou. Yes, 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 yes. The liver, honey. This is the spiritual deep fry right here with Shaman Durek. (laughs) (laughs) We better be flying up some green tomatoes. I love some some, some, some fried green tomatoes, baby. I want some fried green tomatoes. (laughs) I want some shishita peppers. Oh, yeah, I bet you do. Uh, (laughs) Spicy. Um, you know, like this, this leads me to, to, to speak about like people who words the word, who use the word so often in their vocabulary, uh, protection, boundaries, and they, they use all that because they are saying, I'm an empath, right? And, and I'm, I'm going to give you the mic to speak to that. Uh, cause people are sort of tired of me sort of nagging on this over and over again. You have such an enlightened perspective into all this, which I love. I say this often to people, there will come a point on your spiritual journey that you're going to be inspired when you see despair. You're going to be inspired when you see trauma. You're going to be inspired when you see confusion. You're going to lean into it. You're actually going to breathe in the suffering of the world and you're going to breathe Truth. out the antidote. You know, mm, that is a true yes. light worker. You're, you're, you're like an air purifier. You're literally a walking alchemist. You're, yeah, that is the work of a true, of a true spiritual uh, sexy warrior. It's working mm. towards that. And I love what you said that if, if you're saying you're not resonating, but you're triggered by it, and you turn your blind eye from it and you're like, bitch, the truth is it's that is actually feedback to where you need work, honey. So walk towards it. What's up? What's good, girl? What's good? You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. 
You know, my whole understanding of empathy, and I've been, you know, looking at uh, empathy, empathic behaviors mm. for a very long time. Yes, you I've have. been doing a lot of research on mm-hmm, it and, mm-hmm. and, and the different levels of empathetic, um, empathetic, empathic people. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. Empathic mm. people. And so there's different types of empathic people. There's empathic people who either feel what is called social conglomerates. There are empathic people who only feel what's going on in a social situation. And that's where their empathy comes, their empathic abilities are channeled into. Then there's empathic people who actually can feel what's going on on another part of the world. Then there's empathic people who feel individually. And then there's empathic people who feel collectively. And then there's empathic people who actually feel suffering and pain because that's what they've been programmed. That's what their, their superpower is. So empathic ability is a superpower. It's ability to sense frequencies and energies and emotions that are either uh, presently aggressive, distorted, or non-distorted, or brought in love, balance, and harmony. An empathic person has a skill which is called pushing. Whenever you have a, you can always tell a dysfunctional empathic person when you go into a room and you feel this heavy cloud, and it's like you feel all their emotions, and it's like you could take a knife and cut through it. The reason why you feel that is because they're doing this thing called pushing. And and we say in shamanism, an empathic person who push is a powerful person, but if they're misusing it, they're trying to make everyone feel the suffering and pain that they're feeling by pushing the frequencies into the room. And so those frequencies go into a room and then they want you to feel their suffering so that you will be able to help them instead of just saying, hey, I really need, this is what I'm going through right now, or I need to vent. But the biggest problem with empathic people is the lack of concern of realizing that empathic people are the most addictive people because empathic people leads to alcohol abuse, drug abuse, any form of addiction because they use it as a coping mechanism to not deal with the emotional overload that their synthesis and that their neurological system is going through because of the lack of emotional intelligence. So Mm. instead of them actually Mm. making it this wrong thing, Mm. instead of them going, oh my God, I'm overloaded, I'm taking all this energy, the reason why they're taking it on is because they're trying to judge it, they're trying to analyze it and put it into some compartmentalized box. Empathic people are not meant to judge and analyze. There to be what is called data open streams. Data open streams means that empathic energy comes in, you sense it and go, oh, okay, I got it. And then you let it move on and you let it go back to the great ocean, as we would say. But the thing is, empathic people hold on to it, then they hold on to the next one, then they hold on to the next one. And before you know it, their whole entire um, endocrine system is off. Um, their uh, systemic system starts malfunctioning. The way that they're perceiving information in their body through their neuroceptors is not going right. And all of a sudden they go into panic, they go into stress, they go into anxiety, and those inflammation levels mm-hmm. rise. And what do they do? They look for coping mechanisms. So it's alcohol, drugs, anything that becomes an addiction. Most uh, people that patients that I've worked with who have alcohol and drug addiction were dysfunctional empaths that were looking for coping mechanisms instead of realizing that they need to vent more. They need to express instead of um, instead of react and be able to communicate, um, not from a place of, of, of anger, frustration and annoyance, but from a place of this is what I'm feeling right now. And instead of me running from it and then pushing it onto other people by projecting it onto other people and getting angry and agitated because my nerves are fried because I haven't been taking time to allow myself to be data open and Mm -hmm. allow these streams of energy to move through me Mm -hmm. and see this as a blessing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and an opportunity to Mm -hmm. be in sync with the frequency energy discharges that are taking place on planet Earth and be able to direct them in a way so that they can be transmutated, transfigurations and transformed and alchemized back into a frequency of high vibration. Mm, I love this. So would you say that an empath having empathetic uh, capabilities is the gateway to compassion? Because the way, yeah. It can be a gateway to compassion if Mm. the intelligence, the emotional intelligence is there. Is that. If the emotional intelligence is not there, it's a gateway to destruction. That's right. Because because human beings... When they don't have emotional intelligence, they're reactive, 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 mm-hmm. reactive, project, 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 react, project, project, project. That's what empathic people do when they don't have emotional intelligence. When they have That's emotional right. intelligence, they go, oh, let me utilize this frequencies that are coming into me so I can mm-hmm. go deeper into the consciousness of humanity, the consciousness of the animals, the consciousness of nature. I can begin to weave myself into the deep 
intricate weavings of mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And there I gain compassion and understanding because now I get to go behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I get to go behind the curtain and really mm-hmm. see what's really going on. And now mm-hmm. I can see the greater compassion because the picture that was only being looked at through a tiny keyhole has now become a huge, huge movie screen in which they can view and, pre- and perceive what's really going on. And that's when compassion comes because now they've built a sense within their being of allowance, acceptance, and love that mm-hmm. comes from the journey of feeling and experiencing the, mm-hmm. the, the, the beautiful network of energy that is around us 24 hours a day, seven days a week that most mm-hmm. people block off because of judgment and fear and lack and, and belief systems that they believe from authority figures or reactions that they feel they have to be because they feel overloaded. It's the same thing when someone says to me, psychic vampires, I just want to giggle and laugh. I'm like, no such thing. If you understand about vampires, vampires can't come to your house unless invi- unless you invite them. They can't come in. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're saying, boo. So if someone is, if there's a vampire in your midst and it's feeding off of you, that's because your ass took a razor blade, cut your wrist and said, drink me, bitch, drink me. Like you thought you were in Alice in Wonderland. Drink me. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like, let's be real about it. Like, stop pretending. Stop trying to find things to make yourself look like you're a victim so you can get more love when all you have to do is open up to this amazing, powerful network of energy that is moving through you that's asking you to embrace it and surrender to it. And the love that you're seeking will come through all of that. And that's mm-hmm. how the, that's how I see the gateway to compassion is that they have to first surrender to the space of mm-hmm. being the space that spirit has mm-hmm. created for them and then mm-hmm. connect into the emotional intelligence so they're not judging the situation, but they're understanding mm-hmm. it from its true design and the true design shows them why it has to be this way, why energy is this mm-hmm. way, why this thing is this way, and then compassion mm-hmm. is born. Mm. I love this so much. I often say to people, it's like if your empathy, if when you feel somebody else's feels, and it triggers your own insecurity, your own doubt, your own confusion, your own anger, rage, shame, guilt, whatever it may be, and 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 that shuts you down. That puts you in a state of, of even more confusion. So and when you feel that, let me say this again. So when you feel the feels of another person and you're like, I'm an empath, and I, I go into a room and I feel everybody's depression, anxiety, whatever. And then in that very moment, if that if that anxiety, the depression that you have touched on, that you have lightly touched and, and engaged with because you you are you have the sympathetic capabilities, and if that on that same breath it it hasn't become transmuted, alchemized into compassion, aka the antidote, right? Even if it's just a silent blessing in your mind, even if it's a deep breath for the collective, then yeah. your your empathy is it's you saying I'm half of a human. You're saying I'm only have half of my superpowers are available. Only I only have half of my superpowers. Does that makes sense. So when you say yeah, exactly, yeah. So this is so important. I thank you for thank you for elaborating on this and really and really bringing to the full scope of the importance of like really using your empathetic uh, abilities capabilities to be able to enter into the, the the supreme transformative power of compassion. Yeah, I mean that's like I said, most yeah. alcoholics and drug people who are in crack and drug addiction, where they're highly <laughs> empathic beings who didn't who let it take the best of them and they found a coping mechanism to run from their what they what, what their powerful superpower was yeah. and the understanding of that is really comes down to one thing which mm. is do you accept who you are created to be because i mean why is it the only animals on this planet that have the most discord and discomfort and disillusionment and dissonance from themselves is human beings Mm-hmm. Animals, zebras, monkeys, they're not trying to be anything other than what they are. But we are the only ones who create these complex realities because we just don't want to accept. They're like, look, if I see visions and I see visions all the time and that's what I get, then I just realize I see visions all the time. I'm a highly empathic person, but I love my empathy. I love my ability to feel other people's emotions because I can go into a room and go, oh, I feel this, I feel this, I feel that. So then I go, oh, I feel that you're in pain. Let me bring something to support you with that. Or that's maybe right. just allow you to hold space for that. Oh, I see, I feel you. You feel you have a lot of anger inside. Mm. That means you haven't gotten things off your chest. So let me talk to you mm. so you can vent a little and get this off your chest so we can 
can get to that nice juicy place again within you. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, I'm overloaded. Oh my God. 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 I can't believe these people. I feel everything. I feel so much pain. I can't take it. I'm overloaded. I can't. I need to protect myself. I need to protect Protect myself. Oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. Protect Thank you. What what is protection? Protection is fear. That's right. That's right. Right, compassion, understanding the depth of spirit. You don't. There's no need to even claim to pray. Like when people say, "I'm setting a boundary," I'm like, "You're not setting a boundary with me. You're setting a boundary with yourself, boo." Like, don't get it twisted. If you think you're setting a boundary with me, you have a whole understanding. You have a whole. You need a little learning understanding about boundaries because there is no such thing as a boundary other than the one you set with yourself. So if you don't have a clear boundary with yourself, we say in African culture, if the if the if the person doesn't have an internal boundary with themselves. Then no, then then there's no external boundary. Just because mm-hmm. someone says I'm setting a boundary doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're really setting a boundary. It has to be an mm-hmm. internal tr- choice inside of your mm-hmm. being. So mm-hmm. people use that I'm setting boundaries. I feel like I'm under attack. Under attack from what? What is attacking you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People say, Oh, I'm gonna put a spell on you, Shaman Dury. I say, Give me, do your best, baby. Do your best. <laughs> Let me get my bell. Do your best. 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 Do Laga 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 boom boom bing bang bang. Do your best, best boo boo. Do your best. Do your best. Oh my right? god! Get so all the candles. Cool. Get all the herbs. <laughs> you gotta do some sacrifices. I don't wanna see that. You hear no evil, see no evil. But you know what? That's what you wanna do, boo boo. You go right oh ahead. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna That's touch right. me. You That's can't touch right. me. I'm not. I'm not into that nonsense. That's right. And I think people have this misperception of like the usage, the language of like boundaries and protection and i always say to people like this is an earlier this is sort of like spiritual immaturity like at some point you know at the beginning of the early of, of your of your path of transformation of liberation you do take the you do have to take some time away from the people place and things that have you know co-created the trauma in your life and then at some point you realize that that is only the start and then when you re-enter the world as a more liberated version of yourself as a more developed version of yourself there's nothing to protect there's only there's only to give. There's only selflessness. There's only altruistic tendencies to develop. And protection is a disservice to your own well-being and to the well-being of the world. Because the helper is high, you know, the service high that you get. I love what you said earlier. The, the nectar of bliss comes from service. That is so, the way you articulated that, that is the highest truth, bitch. Thank God for you. Preaching the fucking high, high truth. So fuck yeah. Um, you know you want to you want to know why people stay in trauma. So I'm gonna give uh, it to you simple and easy. Go. The reason why people stay in trauma. Yes, yes, is yes. Because they mm. can't accept mm. that they want that they this thing happened to begin with. Mm. It's literally they stay in trauma because mm. they're in judgment with themselves mm-hmm. that this happened. So what? Mm-hmm. So basically, I always say mm-hmm. I told this one person she was like I'm in trauma. I'm trauma. She went through all these psychologists, whatever. And finally, she had a session with me. And I sat her down. And I said, look. Your trauma remains because you continue to go back over and over into that trauma because mm-hmm. the only thing that keeps bringing you back is you're in judgment with yourself. You're angry with yourself that this happened to you. Mm-hmm. And so until you actually let go of your judgment of yourself and let go of your anger of yourself, your trauma will remain. The trauma mm-hmm. is lodged in your body because you keep it in your body to keep punishing you. It's a self-flagellation. I've been beating, I've been gone, I've gone through so many, I've had KKK members put gun to my head, I was raped by a bunch of Israeli soldiers, by six, seven soldiers in Israel at a going away for someone sending someone off to the uh, to the army, and they drugged me, I've been drugged at fashion parties in New York and raped by German men and women playing gay sex games with me, I've been through all kinds of crazy things, and let me tell you something, the way I got rid of the trauma was letting go of the judgment, letting go of the anger I had that I got into that situation, it's basically like if you're going to go back and visit the graveyard of your past every single day, you're going to get depressed. Every time you go back to the graveyard, you're going to get depressed. Why do you keep going back to your graveyard, boo? Why do you keep going back to your graveyard? If you have a time machine, you're going to go time. Okay, let me get a time machine. Okay, girls, we're going to get a time machine. Okay, all right, <laughs> Cynthia, where are we going? I want to go back to when that guy broke my heart. Oh, I was thinking about going back to the time when um, that guy really like was so rude to me. And I want to go back I'm to the sorry, time when I lost all my so money. Beautiful. That guy robbed me of all my money. Yeah, I want to go back to the time when I was in the hospital and I was having a hard time when giving birth. Remember how much pain I was in? Let's go back to that. That's what you're using your mental time machine for? You're going back to graveyards. You're going back to tragedy. You're going back to pain. No wonder why you're not coming out of it. Because you keep typing the coordinates in to go back. 
That's Why right. are you going back? That's go right. forward. Go go in. Go do go, but don't go back. Mm-hmm. I've gone through so much pain. I do not spend my time focusing my time machine when I go back in my thoughts on the painful things that happened to me. I focus on the time when I first went to Disneyland. I focus on the time that I first had sex. I focus on all the beautiful moments that were just mm-hmm. actually so amazing. I go back mm-hmm. to those moments, and when I go back. I take that energy and I put it in a little, a little, I call it my magical jar, and I bring it to me in the present moment now. And all the accomplishments and all the things that I overcame and all the, the macros and the micros of things that I triumphed over, I bring it into a triumph vessel of me now. And I take those experiences and I make them my carriage to carry me forward through whatever I'm dealing with now. I don't mm. play that game. Mm. I'm be so trotting, trotting. Let me get my bill. Let me trotting. Hey. Yeah, this is my triumph carriage, y'all. You know how much shit I've been through in my life? This shit, so I went back and looked at all my accomplishments. I looked at all my things that I overcame. And let me tell you something, okay? I'm going to make it through this right now because I did it back then and I'm going to do it right now. I am not going to the damn graveyard. Fuck that shit. It's like and stuff. people zombified. Fuck that they get shit. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I asked people. I was like, "Boo boo, why are you replaying the horror movie two hundred seventy-five thousand times in hopes of finding a different outcome?" No, Let it no. Be. it happened. Oh, no. uh-uh. I got to ring the bell for that. <laughs> no, no, no. Hear that? It's called a lit bell, everybody. That's no. right. That's right. And I just want to say one thing. And I know you have a different perspective on the word forgiveness, but just for everybody listening. The word forgiveness means to release the need to punish. For those who've caused you pain, when you say I forgive you, motherfucker, you're giving yourself the gift because you're no longer holding on to to resentment. You're no longer harboring revenge. You're no longer looking to punish them because people who cause pain to other people, they're in pain. And then when you're forgiving yourself, you're saying I release the need to punish myself. So like, let go, girl. Let go, hunty. You know what I mean? Stop revisiting the past. Stop approaching your current existence through your painful past, you know? Mm. Allow the new version of yourself to be reintroduced. Meet yourself new. How sexy is this bitch, this new version of you? She's delicious, seductive, intoxicating. Let her come through. Get a new wardrobe. Get a new wardrobe. Get a makeover. (laughs) That's right. Get a makeover. Let your external. That jean jacket jacket needs to go. Sorry, you're wearing that same jean jacket and the the same jean skirt. (laughs) And those white shoes, and you think I'm gonna like you're gonna be happy seeing the same outfit every day? I don't think so. Nobody That's wants to right. be in Groundhog's Day, okay? Nobody That's wants right. Groundhog's Day. That's right. Save it That's for the right. movies, boo. Save it for yeah. the movies. Seriously, like let your external match your internal liberation. Like seriously, you know, like work with that. And you are so deliberate about that. And I love that you are uh, a, a shaman with a with a pure lineage, and you deliver these iconic fashion looks. So let's talk about queerness, fashion, and art, and the role of all these things on the spiritual path. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, you know, I really do love meditating with my Gucci. I think it's important. I think having really nice, <laughs> cool, fashionable clothes <laughs> and hot bags, like just the other day, one of my um, business investors got me a beautiful uh, new bag, that I, Louis Vuitton. I was so happy. And I just sat in meditation with it. And it brought all this energy through my being. You know, I honestly, I make jokes about it all the time with my girlfriend because people put so much emphasis on these material things and fashion, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like mm-hmm. looking good. I like rocking my mm-hmm. bags. I like wearing my jewelry. I like going out and wearing what I want to wear. Like mm-hmm. I see just, just the other day, I got some new gold shoes from this designer. I like the gold. I did a ritual with it. I put candles around the table. I put my shoes on the table. And I just did a whole ritual that the gold, every time I wear the gold shoes, I'm bringing abundance into my life and prosperity to my family and my friends. My gold shoes are bringing me life. You know, I I felt like Wizard of Oz, you know, when Dorothy had the red slippers, I made mine the gold shoes. I feel like as long as we don't become a bitch to these things, we can enjoy nice things. We can enjoy fashion. I can't stand a person who tries to be, well, I would say try to be, because to me, that's not spiritual. Spiritual to me is evolution. But I'm going to say try for the sake of trying. A person who says, I'm so spiritual, I don't need material things. I'm so spiritual, I don't need those things. But baby, you smell, you haven't cleaned under your arms, okay? You're wearing the same old clothes. I don't want, and as like, it's like, it's not cute. Like, just being spiritual doesn't mean you need to look like, you know, like freaking, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, like, what's it called? Like, um, Orphan Annie Rags. 
You don't need to, you know? You have to realize that spirituality is an evolution of the self. It means that you see yourself in the highest place. Seeing yourself in the highest place is also feeling good, looking good, um, speaking with beautiful words, um, feeling beautiful things come in your heart, sharing those beautiful things to the world. So for me, I love fashion. I go to the fashion shows in New York City. I go and I look at the clothes. I meet with designers, be like, I want that jacket. I want this shirt. I want to look, like even right now, I'm wearing my Gucci pants. I want to feel good about what I'm doing and what I'm not in the public, especially because I'm in the eyes of the public and being with the royal family. I don't want to always have to be, I'm always in a button down suit with the royal family, but sometimes I like to switch it up when I'm away from them. I like mm -hmm. to look good, but it doesn't mean I need to always walk with dashikis on and wearing mm -hmm. like beads around my neck because I'm Shaman Durek and I have to look like some guy who came out of Kenya, you know, and you know, and then no, uh-uh, no, 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 baby, no, mm -mm. No. <laughs> oh no. my God, so juicy. And talk about the role of sexuality and queerness in, in the spiritual path. So, you know, I don't look at queerness and homosexual, uh, what is it, gay or trans or bi or I don't know. I, I, I can't remember the whole entire alphabet that has been created because it grew over time since I was young. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I was young, it was just gay. Then it turned into all these other things. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's an, a product of the matrix, wanting people to feel a sense of, of, of righteousness of their community that they would put people in a box. I'm a soul sexual person. I'm created and I can be however I want to be with whoever I want to be with. Why do I need to label myself? Just like people say I'm black. I'm not black. I, I, I have heritage. I'm Norwegian, which is my mother's side. And I have African and Haitian from my father's side. And we also have a little bit of Native American as well too with the Creo. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to fit into these boxes? I don't fit into boxes. I remember when I first came into my, uh, uh, what you call it, attraction towards men. And, uh, mm. you know, and I always didn't feel comfortable with labeling myself as something. I was like, why am I being mm -hmm. branded? I want to be me, mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. person who's just a sexual right. being. And that if it's a male, if it's a female, I'm not attracted to every man. I don't walk down the street and look at every man and be like, oh my God, I want that person. I don't look at every woman going like, I want that woman. I, it's all about soul to me. It's energy, it's essence, it's, 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 it's pheromones, it's, it's smell, it's conversation, it's intellect. First of all, we are all things, it's intellect and playfulness. I look for liberated beings. I can't even share myself with a person who's not liberated because even if they got in my bed with me, they would be, they would be scared of me because I'm crazy. I'd be like moaning and, and, and becoming like a, like a panther and jaguar. One second, I'm banging the shamanic drum. You know, I'm doing, I get crazy. <laughs> and I, feel like, I feel like people can't roll with that if they're not liberated beings because they have all these rules, 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 rules. And whose rules are they really? You know, and so for me to feel, to be where I am, I feel like people, God is like, look, people, here's the deal. You're not all supposed to be one thing. I've created many colors and many behaviors and many ways of looking at the world through many eyes. So if you, if you try to put everyone in a box, it's not going to work because I'm not meant to be in a box. Just like I feel it's so important that we understand that a lot of the things that we have translated throughout history has been translated wrong because it hasn't been put through the eyes of many different people. You don't have a drag queen looking at it. You don't have someone who's, you know, who's uh, looking at it from the perspective of, of someone who is different, female uh, uh, masculine, because in, in African wisdom, we don't have the word gay. We don't have the, the idea of bisexuality. We don't have uh, queer in African wisdom. We have masculine, feminine spirits that dance through you as according to what you've come here to accomplish. Sometimes a woman in African tribes would be the masculine energy while the men would stay home and care for the babies in the tribe. Sometimes men and women in the African tribes would stay home and those who were considered gay by consensus of, 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 of what people call in the Western world would be the one hunting because they had feminine masculine abilities so they can sense danger and they knew how to hunt with the masculine energy to be able to structure things. Mm. So when we... In African wisdom, we say that, especially in in um, in uh, what you call it, West Africa, which is where my family um, thrives from, the West African belief of ancient times was that in order to truly become an evolved being, 
You must merge the feminine and masculine, not as a construct of label or any of these things which would hold you and trap you in whatever that label is associated with. You would remove those energies and realize that you sit between masculine and feminine energy intertwining and merging with each other to build the fifth elemental being. So we call it the fifth mm -hmm. element in African wisdom. And if you look at the teachings of Dagara, talks about the elements and the last element is the fifth element. And it talks about people who are able to share their body with the same sex. They were considered the evolved ones because they learned how to have the blending of masculine and feminine move through them. One day I can be super feminine. Next day I can be very masculine. I'm not going to label myself and trap them into some type of idea that the world wants me to trap it into. I'm just going to be as I choose to be. There are days my girlfriend is super masculine. There's days where she's super feminine. One time we were sitting at a restaurant and this woman came up and said, oh, you're the future queen. And she goes, oh, no, you're talking about my boyfriend. He's the queen. You know? <laughs> Where's the bell, honey? You know? Ring that bell, please. <laughs> okay. And she's right. And she's right. Because there's days where I am the queen. And there's days where I have my moments. And, she, and, and it's not this... Oh, I'm 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 femming out. It's this is this is what's coming through, and that's the wisdom that's coming through with it. So sometimes, you know, in shamanism, we say a shaman can never be a person who's fully masculine and fully feminine because they'll never be able to access all the spiritual dimensions. In order to access mm. all the spiritual dimensions, you have to be able to dance with both masculine and feminine because there are realms that are that are feminine that a masculine energy cannot get into. You cannot download the information because you're, you, you don't have the feminine, uh, what we call a technology to be able to decipher the codes that the spirits are bringing you because they're representing a feminine frequency. And there's different ones and there's synergized ones and there's masculine ones and they're all intertwining in each other. So uh, when I meet shamans who are like, yeah, dude, I'm a shaman. I'm, uh, I did Peru and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you are not a shaman. You are not a shaman. Because if you look at African wisdom, even in the God Shango, Okay, which is an African god, one of his power traits was that he would dress as a woman and his powers were so strong because he was able to put on a dress and be a woman and, 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 and dance and go into mm -hmm. these places. And he would get this profound wisdom come through his being on how to mm -hmm. be able to be the best warrior. So, again, mm -hmm. um, I don't mm -hmm. get into all of that, mm -hmm. that, that very matrixy programmed. This is this and this is that. There was a time when there was no gay community. There was a time when it didn't even exist. And then it created, mm -hmm. it was created by a system, the same system that wanted people to call themselves black and white. So it can create a race war when there's no real race to be warring with. We're mm. all, we're, we're all human beings. We're all quantum beings. And I'm not going to limit myself into some kind of box just to make someone feel comfortable that they know how to call me. Mm. Very, very, very elevated, liberatory perspective. Thank you, babe. Thank you for that. That's incredible. Call me by um, my name. Oh, bitch. I know, honey. Listen, last... Electra. <laughs> Electra. <laughs> Electra, honey. Electra. Hey, baby. Electra's in the house. Call me Listen. by my name. Electra. Oh my that's the name that's, that's right. me. I love... We were at a restaurant in Costa Rica... And we were just, uh, you know, plotting out what would the most enlightened version of ourselves, what, what would their names be? And uh, Shaman Durek's name was Electra with a K, honey. She's a sassy mm -hmm. bitch. <laughs> I am a sassy bitch. <laughs> Listen, last question. Um, what does it mean to be spiritually sassy? Because I'm inviting the community and involved with the community to help me define this term. And of course, every guest that comes on is what I perceive to be spiritually sassy. But it's also interesting to hear through all through your own language, your vocabulary, like, what does that mean to be spiritually sassy? Spiritual sassy to me is about defying the principles that were set up to keep people from expressing and liberating themselves into what I call holy consciousness, enlightened consciousness. When people talk about becoming holy, when people in religion, I was telling this person, a friend of mine the other day who's religious, he goes, yeah, I, I, I attain to be holy. I said, you've attained to be holy. You got a way to go, boo, because you have so many rules and, and ways that you indoctrinate life to yourself. Spiritual sassy mm -hmm. means that you are able to do, move. you're able to move through all those barriers and you get to mm -hmm. what we call redefine. 
new realities mm-hmm. and landscapes mm-hmm. for other people to journey on through your mm-hmm. presence. You become the gatekeeper mm-hmm. to another world. And through that world, the reason why it was able to come to be because the sassiness allowed you to, to move beyond the judgments, the fears, the limitations of other people's ideas of what they don't like and what makes them uncomfortable and whatnot. The sassiness allows you to not give a fuck. The sassiness allows you to be a member of the I don't care club. The I don't care club gives you a card, a membership that anytime anyone has anything to say, you just pull your membership card out and you say, I don't care. So, so to me, you know, it's like the more sassy you are, the more you are honoring creation. Because the more sassy you are, you're showing the limitless, the multidimensional, the quantum in every moment. And to just add an extra, Mm. every human being that operates in spiritual sassiness becomes a doorway and a key to unlock the chains of those who wish to be in chains to their freedom. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Bless all the Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, Dakas, Akinis, all Dharma protectors, gods and goddesses, all angelic beings. Thank you. Wow. Oh my God. Ring the bell one last time before we go, please. You know, like when you see someone dancing in the street out of nowhere and prancing, you know, when you see that, you know, like someone, you know, my friends go, oh my God, look at that person doing that. I go, that person is basically just giving you a way out. They, they are anomalies to the matrix. Their job is to show you a doorway out of your prison. Mm. Thank them. Give them some fruit. Bring some offerings to their feet. Where's the incense? Wash their feet. Ah! I love you. This is the shit that you deliver. I'm like, yes, honey, this is it. Wash their motherfucking feet. (laughs) That's right, honey. (laughs) I saw this fabulous, fabulous drag queen. She had like feathers on and these purple lips and the like very peacock look. I had, I, I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I have to, I went and got some water. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, just sit here in this chair. I'm going to wash your feet. She said, why? I said, because you are sacred. Mm. She goes, why do you say that? I said, because if you, because of the world, despite what you understand in the spiritual context, you are the doorway to freedom. Oof. Jesus Christ, honey. This is be your whole new, a whole new state of a whole new uh, uh, layered pieces of your new book. Like this right there, that is nectar that we need. So thank you for that, my love. What a joy. What a what a joy. What an honor. What a delicious conversation. Oh my God. Thank God for you. Thank you everyone for listening. Shaman Durek. How many mental orgasms did we have? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That didn't wake up me who tell me what did that's right where can we find you where can we (laughs) where can we find you my love so social media is you can find me on instagram you can find me on bitcloud you can find me um on clubhouse on all under shaman durek and you can also um check out my podcast ageism today uh you can also check out the episodes we had with size amazing 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 and also go to the shaman school if you want to get lit and, and, you know, and really upgrade your powers and your abilities. And yeah, check out my YouTube. I do a lot of really cool videos every week and to lift you and shift you. And I love you all so much. I love you too. Mwah. But where you can find me is in the dream world, baby. Find me in the dream world. I, I, I ride a white dragon. Find me. <laughs> I've been looking for you. Love you. 